Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it to Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is we continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. Andrew Henderson is across the pond version on a Tuesday. Every Tuesday he has checked in, also checking in from just outside of Chicagoland. Kim Kircher, back, registered dietitian, and one day to be that great teamster that her and I have always dreamed of being. That would be amazing. Yeah, we're going to get there. <laughs> Do you know what we're talking about, Andrew, when we talk about wanting to be a teamster? I have absolutely no idea what <laughs> Go ahead, Kim. Tell but me. I can't. Kim, Kim must be desperate if she wants you as to be part of that team. Now. <laughs> yeah. but they, Are you familiar no, no. with Pertron horses? Oh, right. Okay. So my grandpa was a Pertron horseman, and so I was um, the ambassador for the Pertron Horse Association two years ago at the Pertron Show. So in honor of him. So um, a huge fan. Draft horses are amazing, and they're actually, if you could see a broader picture, you'd see some pictures of, of Pertrons here in my office. Right. Okay. It's, yeah. Is it dark in Chicago still? It is. And actually, I don't have my curtains open all the way. So you're getting a little bit. Maybe when the sun comes up, it'll like happen while I'm on the air with you guys. <laughs> okay. Well, it's absolutely stunningly beautiful here in the UK today. It's a, it's, um, it's what we call a, it's a, it, it's what we call a day where you could fry eggs on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't recommend us. that. That's not very food safe. Oh, that's exactly what we'll talk about with Kim, Andrew. But, <laughs> but before we leave the Teamster comment, I don't think you got the bigger picture. So, you know, at one point in time, employees needed a union, a Teamsters union to assist them. And the Teamsters union actually came about because of the Teamsters, the people who at that time had no automobiles, were driving teams of horses. And that's the term Teamster where that originates. Just so you know, Andrew. So you mentioned Chicago and then you said that. So I have to tell you, my great grandpa on my dad's side actually had a horse drawn milk route in the city of Chicago. Oh man. I, do oh, you still have that? You still have that. You have, you have that wagon, right? Kim, I want that milk wagon. So we Kim, do not have that wagon, but wow. my aunt on my mom's side has my grandpa's wagon for the Pertrons and it's restored and it's gorgeous. So, awesome. Kim, that's what's going to come back, you know, deliveries of milk to people's houses, especially after this pandemic. That's what's happening here in the UK. We <laughs> need to get that nutrition back into the, the general public, and that's the way to do it. I like it. You know what? If they bring the horse delivery system back, I'm all in for sure on that. But you know what? We actually kind of already have home delivery going on, and kind of everybody's enjoying it right now, I think. Well, people are going to have to raise the bar, aren't they, and reduce that carbon footprint. And what better way to do that? Than with a natural horse delivering it for you. So there's the, all sorts of... Uh, you want to increase the carbon footprint? I'm a huge horse fan, but there's nothing about reducing the carbon footprint when you use a horse. Why? <laughs> Seriously, do you know how many acres of land it takes to feed a horse a year? Well, that's in Nebraska, mate. You've got very poor <laughs> soil. You know? Have you been to Here, Chicago? Have you been to Chicago? I have been to Chicago, and yes... There's not there's a lot not, of lush grass left. Well, I know, but to be fair, it's a city. They have some countryside outside. I've actually been... Oh, I mean, so you propose we haul the horses into the country so that we can save the carbon footprint in the city? No. No, actually, I'm sorry. <laughs> what you do is you put the hay 
on the back of a on the back of a horse-drawn carriage, and you bring the hay into the city to feed the animal, and the animal delivers the milk. But you're not very good at giving out hay, so you might not know about that, will you? Hey? You have to work that in every day. He wouldn't, he wouldn't give you a pimple if he had the measles, I'll tell you. <laughs> Meanwhile, Paul is saying that he farmed with Percheron horses. Love that. Okay, Shout sorry, out to Paul and the Percheron. Yeah. And by the way, this is how Kim is. When she thinks we've lost our way, she'll do what she can to write the ship back up. Uh, <laughs> one final thing before we really get to important stuff like diet. Kim, did you see on your news last night that my friend Adam, the dreadhead cowboy, was arrested last night? I did not see that story last night. Yes. he. Uh, so I sent him a text about 10 o'clock. He's not responded yet, which tells me he's still in custody. But uh, the dreadhead cowboy has joined us here. Adam Wentworth is uh, doing phenomenal things for kids in inner city Chicago. Uh, he rides his horse everywhere. He teaches kids about horses. And yesterday he got the whim. I don't know how long planned it was. He did a six-minute Facebook Live thing talking about, I'm going to go ride my horse on the Dan Ryan uh, because I want to get attention. These kids in the inner city are being ignored. And so he chose to get arrested by riding his horse on the Dan Ryan, which completely blocked traffic and caused chaos. Uh, but I have not heard how he's doing today. So I'll let you know. What's the Dan Ryan, please? Obviously, oh, that's one of our highways. Okay, because I, I obviously I've interviewed this gentleman with with Trent, so I can ha- I can't imagine what he would do to get arrested. But I get that now. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's riding a horse on the Dan Ryan. Isn't it that the highway that runs right along Lake Michigan is like the main traffic way through north to south Chicago? It's a main traffic way, but if you're talking about the one by the lake, that's a different one. Uh, okay. But that's the thing about Chicago. When you live here, you talk differently about the roads. Like other people talk in numbers. And if you're from the city of Chicago, you talk in names. And I don't know how other places are, but that's just, we have terms of endearment and names that we go by, not letters and numbers and stuff. I have, ter- I have terms of endearment too, Kim, and none of them involve concrete. <laughs> yes, well, if you lived here, you would understand. We have a whole love-hate relationship with our highway system and expressways. Andrew, I interrupted you. You were going to say. No, no, no. I'm listening. I'm just listening to this banter. It's very good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, the good thing about Chicago is that there's 7 million people that all eat what I produce on a daily basis. That's the good part. Mm. Well, and somebody's going to be mad at me for how I'm talking about the roads because I'm suburban. So I'm sure there's something that I'm missing a nuance that I, sh- I should, should certainly be telling you guys about. So we'll see. We'll see all if right, anybody tell shows me, up. Tell, tell, me about, tell me about the um, your your expertise in in in, in di- as a dietitian where should we be taking um the food story to the world where wh- what's the what's the big thing that you think we need to be talking about right now and in the future i think getting away from angst and getting back to curiosity in terms of food and agriculture would be ideal and that would lead to everything else because really the conversation is super simple we need a balance of the five food groups we need a variety from within the food groups from a seasonal perspective changing out your fruits and vegetables to go with the season is just fun to do and it keeps things interesting nutrition wise too so i think we've complicated of something that could be very simple and we're simplifying the complicated things. So if we could reverse that scenario, I think it would be really good because cooking can be fun. Planning can be challenging. Eating is supposed to be an act of enjoyment while it's nourishing our bodies. So I'm talking in like grandiose notions, but that's really kind of the bottom line of what I focus on as a dietitian. So 
can I paraphrase that? Everything yeah. in moderation, um, and therefore, uh, and and try and get as close to fresh as possible. Well, fresh is great, but canned and frozen and dried are good too. And okay. I always joked around, like with dried fruit, people are like, "Oh, we can't eat that." I'm like, "Well, it's kind of just fruit with the water sucked out of it. So, what's yeah. wrong with dried fruit?" <laughs> well, I have a problem. I was just asking you about that, really, because yeah. we hear all about fresh, but sometimes, as you quite rightly point out, you can't have fresh food. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not. Have you been to Chicago in January? It's a little tough Thank to go you. pick your garden. Well, I yeah. have actually, I have been in Chicago in January, so that's um, that's a uh, surprise, you, isn't it, Trent? Yeah, no, nothing well, surprises me with you, Andrew. And that's yeah. the point of, of all of this, too, is just relearning why we do different things. It's like, why do you put salt in pork to make ham? And I'm oversimplifying, but it's like salt has a food safety component. So if you take food all the way back to its origin, yeah. you understand the why. It's a different conversation. And when you think about how people eat and what we like, food safety is a huge thing and frozen fruits and vegetables, Trent, to your point, it's like, I don't live where I can grow food year round. So if you tell me to eat local, awesome for like a hot minute in Illinois, but then what do you do for the rest of the year? <laughs> yeah. Aren't you quite famous for um, smelly onions in Chicago? Is that not right? If you trace the name of Chicago, it, it does have something, something to do with onions. I'm not sure about the smelly part. Maybe aromatic would be a nicer way to say it. <laughs> well, I'm told it was, it was called smelly. It, Chicago means smelly onions. Yeah. But when you think about food, the, the local conversation, can we go there for just a second? For 30 seconds. Okay. I love it because you should be supporting your local farmers. You should actually know where your food comes from. You should know what your region is known for. But I like the local conversation to say farmers are local wherever we need them, which is everywhere. And so my favorite example of this is bananas in Illinois. You can't have a local banana. Bananas are local to where they should come from. Yeah. So that would be another part of the conversation I would personally love to see happen is when we say local, it's actually a two-tiered conversation. Well, I can't and believe I'm agreeing, I'm, with, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. In Hooray! fact, you hit the nail on the head. Why would you we not agree? But I have... From I have where to... it's produced the most efficiently and yeah. also from where it's produced the purest way. So, you know, if you've got loads of grass, you can produce fantastic milk. And, you know, if you've got all the resources required to produce something, that's local. It could be 3,000 miles away to somebody, though, but it's still local. It's the best yeah. place to get that nutrition. It's Roll Routes. I am going to remind you to watch The Stand at Paxton County on Netflix. That's where Andrew is always making fun of me about hay, but it brings to light the challenge to own animals no matter where you are, whether it's Illinois or Virginia. Details at the Netflix, The Stand at Paxton County. We'll be back with more Roll Routes. Ken Kirchert, Andrew Henderson after this. Welcome back to Roll Route, Trent Luce, alongside Rule Breaker, Andrew Henderson, Kim Kircher, our guest, Teamster in the future. Um, and, the, and the past, in the future. Kim, do you think we've been doing, and Andrew and I have been doing this too long? We're just like, you know, I'm not going to say part, it, but... I need more details to that question. <laughs> Which part am I supposed to answer? <laughs> just never mind. We're Jerry, like a couple, just... I think he means we're like a couple of old women, and I'm beginning to... Yeah, I wasn't going to say that. Yeah, well, I don't mind. <laughs> or a couple of old men. Yeah, I think a couple grouchy old men sitting on the porch. Now you leave that young lady alone, there, Andrew. <laughs> All right, you were you were trying to ask her questions during the break before I yeah, had to. I was just saying, what what is you. what would you describe as um you know something that uh, is 
sequentially from the Chicago region that you would get uh, uh, in the summer, you would get lots of to be able to enjoy locally? Well, when you said from Chicago, my funny answer was going to be pizza, but I don't think that that's what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to start telling me there's pizza trees near Chicago. Are you? Yeah, they're on the Dan Ryan. <laughs> no. <laughs> And, and, you know, it's really funny because we had a program once that uh, called uh, Candid Camera where people thought that it was real stories. It was like the documentaries. And one, one week there was this documentary from Rome showing spaghetti on trees. And people I've seen it. that. <laughs> yep. And so, anyway, let's talk about Chicago pizza then. Okay. <laughs> First, before you answer that, Kim – why did you talked about the Chicago area and you went to what they grow in Frankenmuth and uh, Saginaw? That's not uh, really close. I mean, it's within 250 That's miles. That's an but... Andrew question. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Andrew. It was me, yeah, actually. Andrew. And it was off air. And you're bringing up stuff that people don't even know what we're talking about. That's. Well, okay, but that would be the regionality. And so I have to say, I know we're talking to everybody everywhere, but for the U.S., there's a, a site called choosemyplate.gov. And there's a section on there called My Plate, My State. So you can actually go on this website that's free to everybody and learn about nutrition, learn about the five food groups, and then actually find out what's from your state, like the whole list of everything. Wow. And I think that's awesome. And I think it's it's yeah. very accessible for people. So it's something that I recommend that people know. But to your point, like the regionality of food, like I could say apples, we're coming into the fall. That is something that the Midwest is known for. They come from everywhere, everywhere. Um, but there's a lot of different things that people don't realize. And corn, soy, dairy, pork, like there's so many beef, there's so many different types of farms and ranches across our state even. Um, and there's so many different things that are grown here. So it's just our growing season is short. So we have to look beyond our, our state borders for our food. And I don't think that that's a bad thing at all. And I think there's a cultural relevance of food too, that it's like, when you trace back your family heritage, everybody wants to know their ancestry you also probably have family dishes. And if you actually think about the dishes that your family makes, it's probably related to the region where stuff grows and, and is raised appropriately. So it's a cool conversation if we take the time to think about that. Definitely. So Michigan, Andrew, though, you did bring up a very interesting state, Michigan, in that California is the number one agriculture producing state in the nation with the most diversity. Michigan, by the way, is the second most diverse agricultural state in the nation, growing a variety of crops, many of which we probably haven't even ever heard of. And number two in apples, by the way, Kim. See? Yeah. There you go. And Kim, I'm my wife is selling the apples from our orchard outside our farm right th at this moment. And um, What kind of apples? Uh, ooh, Cox is English. Lovely red apples. Do you know Co nice. Cox is English? I um, never know. Well, it's it's a red apple. It's delicious. It's from England. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. You, you know, I think I think the only thing he knows about it, Kim, is it's red. It's well, red you know apple. what? That helps because that's how people identify apples. Are they red or green? Uh, they're, they... they're red, and then there's there's some other there's some other um, very old. There's there's one called Queens, which 
I've never heard of, but it tastes okay. And then um, um, we've got plums, and we've also got um, damsons. Have you heard what? Do you know what a damson is? Uh-uh. Damson's like a, a, a tiny, a tiny, tiny plum. And so we've had loads of them recently. And then I'm making cider out of our apples at the moment. That's the first time I've ever made cider. And um, it tastes okay. It's alcoholic. So there you go. And then um, we've got lots of pears, but the pears won't be ready until October. They're nearly ready. Nice. But see, that's the seasonality. That's so much fun. And it's one of my favorite things. Like, I wish more people knew that if you look at a recipe and you don't have whatever vegetable it calls for, you can kind of swap out another vegetable or fruit easily and it's yeah. probably going to be delicious. So it's kind of fun. Once you understand food, it gets a lot more fun. And then you can like all the things that you just listed are probably super delicious and would go in a whole lot of different dishes that people yeah. have not thought to try them in. Mostly, <laughs> mostly desserts. I might add most of what Andrew just described would go in a dessert, right, Kim? Yeah. But if you've got, fruit in your dessert it's a way to get a fruit serving in and i'm not suggesting every fruit you eat become a dessert before anybody freaks out but that's what i'm saying i'm not saying that but Mm -hmm. if you eat a dessert that's got fruit in it instead of something else there's a little nutritional bonus in there you you are going to tell me you've never had pork and apple sauce have you of course i have no i'm not asking you kim i'm asking this guy guy, yeah of course i have oh thank you yeah (laughs) but but i also eat another fruit in my dessert it's called ice cream Dairy is a fruit. No, dairy is not a fruit, but it's a good partner to fruit. <laughs> don't, good try, don't though. Mess with, don't mess dairy with my head. In my fruit. head, it's a fruit. Yeah, a fruit That's cake. why ice cream on a daily basis is essential. Dairy that is would be fruit. fascinating to go down that pathway to figure out how you came up with it being a fruit. So Don't, don't even go there. That's a, that, you're having a, he's, having a, he's having a Biden moment. Come on. Yeah. You know. All right. We're not talking about that during this yeah, wonderful conversation. Maybe fruit. strawberry ice cream is your favorite. Maybe that's what it is. No, vanilla. All right. Vanilla. Well, oh. well vanilla I goes with every fruit. So. I love rum and yeah. raisin. Uh, I, I'm glad we went there, though, Kim, and we have three minutes just so everybody knows in this segment. Um, we tried to demonize desserts. And as you well point out, it's a moderation of all things. Don't demonize anything. No. Yep. There's actually a really good book by a dietitian, um, How to Get Your Child to Eat But Not Too Much by Ellen Satter. And that is something that since grad school, I have loved how she talks about stuff. And there was a, a moment and the sentiment is put dessert on the table with dinner, because if you hold it back, it becomes this other thing. But if it's just part of the meal, it's like, hey, here's dinner and here's what we're going to have for dessert. And that's it. It changes, the, and I'm paraphrasing, but it changes the dynamic of, of how it's perceived. Mm. And I think that's something that if you know you're having dessert and you know it's not the most nutrient-rich thing, you probably know you shouldn't eat the whole pie in one sitting. So, like, moderation will bring it back to that again, too. But everything fits in. And if you're eating treat foods for your regular intake, we just need to adjust your, your portions. Kind of that or simple. Or your exercise. Well, exercise too, but they're, they're different but complementary. So you can't exercise your way out of bad habits, but you can exercise your way into good, healthy habits. So those are the kind of things that it's like there's, it sounds like nuances and word games, but it's totally not. 
we need to eat balanced meals. We need exercise. They work hand in hand, but they don't offset each other completely. Do you know what I mean? No, because when I see that bowl of fruit, i.e. ice cream, I think I can eat the third bowl because I'm going to go out and work it off. That's just how I think. But if you're eating the third bowl of ice cream, which is dairy, which goes nicely with fruit, you're probably <laughs> missing something else. Yeah. I'll help. I got you, Brent. Yeah, I with Kim here. Yeah. Well, it's just the demonization has been bad. Of not all, necessary. Uh, absurd. Right. The demonization is not necessary, you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's what we need to get away from. And Andrew, what I appreciate most about Kim is that in order to have a healthy eating habit, it has to be fun. I marvel at all of these people that think they can pain themselves into starvation or whatever the case may be to live healthy. That will never happen. No. Well, and it's not necessary. All right. I do have something that is necessary, and we're going to do it right now because it seems like a great time. Uh, the certified Piedmontese, that doesn't produce fruit either. It produces protein, protein that you need. It's a very tender protein from the beef animal. The Piedmontese cattle originate from Italy. Don't mind that. It's all about what we've done to them here in the United States, and we've been able to, what Jerry Hopefer calls, Americanize them. That means that they calve easy, they grow fast. They perform extremely well. They possess the myostatin gene, which means that the consumer can consume this beef time in and time out, and it will be the most tender beef they've ever eaten. What does it mean to you, the producer? Well, nothing unless you sign up and you're part of the contract production system, as we are now into our third year and could not be happier with our certified Piedmontese cattle. Details by contacting Marlon Will at LungCreekCattleCo.com. We'll be back with the second half of Rural Routes. And I want to talk about diabetes. Can we do that when we get back? More after this. Uh, Welcome back to Rural Route. Trent Lewis alongside Kim Kircher, who, if she one more time tells me ice cream is not a fruit, <laughs> she just will have some sort of technical difficulty. I don't know. Andrew Henderson. I could actually throw a bomb in there and say that the, the Italians describe fish as fruit from the sea so maybe trent could descri describe ice cream as fruit from the cow i don't know uh, maybe we could have a glossary of terms that would scroll across the screen underneath <laughs> while we're talking to help people follow the conversation well, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't is fruit a is, is potato a fruit or a vegetable it's a tuber it's a root a root tuber <laughs> Come on, Kim. You have to be either a fruit or a vegetable. You can't be a tuber. Well, these are interesting questions to me because if you're talking about how we eat them, we eat them as a vegetable yeah. uh -huh. most often. Mm. And they are supposed to be, aren't they counted as one of your five a day? We have this five a day thing. Mm -hmm. And potatoes are counted as that. And that's a vegetable count. So, yeah. It's a starchy vegetable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I happen to like them too. I'm going to call them a fruit from now on. <laughs> oh dear. Well, here's here's the optimistic. What I'm hearing you say, Trent, is you really right. enjoy fruit. Like that's the takeaway message. Yeah, but well, is it? No, because the fruit he likes is fruit. It's the only fruit I enjoy. <laughs> that way, I still have fruit in my diet. Yeah. 
Kim, he's not named one fruit. He's just naming stuff that he'd like to call fruit. <laughs> that's that's easy. Okay. Hey, I had pizza, okay. In all fairness, yesterday <laughs> I had a wonderful peach cobbler to go with my fruity ice cream. Well, so see, that's what I was talking about. When you eat fruit at dessert, it gets a, a real fruit into your yeah. intake. So the fact that it was a peach cobbler, I'm glad you had the peaches in there. Okay, let's just talk about that a moment, Kim, because fruits have, are this romantic notion of this wonderful health food. Fruits are really nothing more than a de- another delivery of sugar with what for nutrition? Oh, I uh, love beyond, that. Beyond the, beyond the sugar. So I love that we're going there. When you think about naturally occurring sugar, milk actually uh-huh. has some. Fruit Thank has some. Veggie has a tiny bit, teeny tiny bit, but there, you know, there's naturally occurring carbohydrate or sugar in those things. But what's attached to fruit are a lot of things we don't talk about. Phytochemicals, which are good things. Vitamins and minerals are more familiar words and things that we think about. Fiber, if you're eating a whole piece of fruit with skin that you've washed and you're just enjoying it. Uh, Water content. I mean, so many of the things that people around the world are shy of can be found in your fruit group, which is why when you look, we're consistently below in our fruit and vegetable consumption. And that doesn't mean that's the only thing we need, but that's the beauty of looking at the five food groups and knowing that we need them is because they're grouped in ways that they provide similar nutrition packages and there's variety within there. So like, I'll give you a fun example. When you think about the different colors of fruits and vegetables, the nutrient package that comes with each color is a little bit different because the substances that give fruits and vegetables their color are some of the same substances that are health protective for us. And I'm oversimplifying, but that's the gist. No, no, but you're you're spot on. And it's like um, the green and grass will give beta carotene to a cow that supports her immune system and her reproductive system. Um, There's lots and lots of uh, ways of determining what uh, goodness is in, is in a, in a, in a, in a fruit or a vegetable by the color of it. Yep. So yeah, you're absolutely spot on. So what makes a blueberry blue? The blue stuff. The blue stuff. I, uh, the, the pigment. pigment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has to be some phytochemical that makes it blue. Yeah. Well, you, you look it up. That's part of the experience of knowing what you're eating because I don't know that specific, uh, the specific makeup of a blueberry, but I'm sure there's going to be mm-hmm. antioxidants in there that will look after Trent Loose. Some of them might actually help with hair, oh. hair loss. That's overrated. What was it? Yeah. Well, but but yeah. I, I, I still need proof, Kim, that I'm getting essential nutrients from a fruit that I can't get from a potato or a ribeye. Well, well definitely. So- Even I'm not going to start listening to you champ on about that. She's right. I want to hear. I just want to hear. You know what a Venn diagram is, right? With the overlapping circles and then the common. Right. Think about food like that. If you've got your five food groups, theoretically, you could Venn diagram all five of them and there would be some similarities. And Mm -hmm. But it's easier if you look at it by individual food groups. And like you take the protein group. We all know fish is a higher source of omega-3s. That doesn't mean that it's better all the time, but it's an important component. We look at our red meat and it's a great source of absorbable iron. That doesn't mean that there's not iron and other stuff, but there's these subtle nuances that you could 
be filled with angst trying to come up with the laundry list of stuff that's in every single food you choose. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to look at these five food groups. I know that they're grouped because in general, they've got similar opportunities for me to get nutrition, but then I'm going to vary what I eat from within that food group because of those subtle differences. Like a blueberry is going to have a different set of components than a banana and white cauliflower, white bananas, white potatoes. People are like, don't eat the white stuff. I'm like, but cauliflower is a cruciferous vegetable, which means it has anti-cancer properties. So everything you eat does something for you. Some food just works harder for you. Like if you eat added sugar, like table sugar, it's like 15 calories a teaspoon. Big deal. We can fit that in. Don't eat three cups of it at one time. But to your point back about fruit having sugar in it, sugar, table sugar does not have vitamins, minerals, fiber. A peach in your peach cobbler has a ton of good stuff for you in it. So the sugar's not the same level of working hard for you, so to speak. You mentioned the water component, and I'm I'm humored by people. One day we were doing a beef demonstration in a store, and I heard these 20-something yuppies walking through, and this young man was trying to impress his lady friend. And he said, oh, and these are so good because they're 89% water. Okay, it's cheaper to go get the water out of the faucet than to get it from your peach We need to be hydrated. Most people don't drink a lot of water and I hear you, but if that's what gets him excited to eat a peach, then he's not wrong that it's got, that fruits and vegetables are high in water content. Percentage wise, that's not how I think about food. So I don't know about the 89%, but there's nothing wrong with staying hydrated. However, you need to. I think the important thing here is that um, it's how nature intended your body to digest food by having a mixture of nutrients, fiber, um, carbohydrate, sugar, whatever way you want to describe it, it's it's delivering it in the way our bodies were designed to, to digest it. And that's where perhaps we've interfered too much over the last 50 to 100 years in the sense that we've started to, uh, to make it unnatural, take the naturalism out of it all and make products out of it that maybe are, are, are not balanced. That's what's fun about being a dietitian is the complexities of food are huge, just Mm. like agriculture. And so when you think about how people are tying agriculture into their food decisions, food on its own is complex. Agriculture on its own is complex. Agriculture leads to food. Somehow that gets lost on people, which is fascinating. But it's there. there's so many layers of things to know about food, which is one of the reasons I became a dietitian, because I wanted to have confidence and knowledge to be able to have fun. And if I want to eat what other people are like, oh, I can't believe you're a dietitian and you're eating that, because as dietitians, we hear that all the time. But it's like, but I know what I'm eating and I know how to balance it over the day, over the week, over the month, because That's the other thing, too. People are looking for this magic bullet. There's no one nutrient that's going to save us or kill us. There's no one food that's going to do that either. It's it's a you have to look at it as a meal. You have to look at it as your day and you have to look at it across the week or the month. And when you do that, you you all of a sudden see this built in wiggle room for your ice cream or your candy bar or what, like when you eat a candy bar, you know that you're not like doing this awesome nutrient rich choice for yourself. So some of those simplicities have a lot of complexities behind them 
but it doesn't have to be as hard as people make it. Going back to the, what you said though about um, uh, you know trying to make it all about uh, you, you know what you're eating and, and balancing it. There is this new thinking as well, nutrigenomics, where you know, for example, some people uh, their bodies can't take nuts. They can't mm-hmm. take uh, they can't take certain foods. They're allergic to them, and so mm-hmm. one man's one man's uh, nutrient might be somebody else's poison. We, we created that, people. Andrew. What we created that. Did we? I totally believe we created lactose intolerance. We created a nut allergy. I think that people's choices, particularly pregnant women's dietary choices, have influenced what we can and cannot handle. Kim Kircher, are you with me or against me? A little of both. I I think sometimes, and for real, because I, I think sometimes we have to take responsibilities for our choices because our choices lead to other things. But at the same time, we cannot take responsibility for everything that our bodies do. And I actually wrote a blog about how healthy food isn't healthy for everyone, for for exactly what you're talking about. If you have intolerance, if you have allergy, if you um, have intestinal disorders, I mean, if you're on certain medications because you have to be, it alters your intake. And so it's really sad to me when somebody else judges another person's choices because you do not know if they've got something that shifts what healthy means to them. Uh, Kim, Kim, before we lose it, where do people find your blog? It's my name, Kim Kircher.com. Two H's, two R's. First time she's ever had to say that, by the way, Andrew. <laughs> two H's, two R's? Don't yes, two H's, two R's. Two R's. Uh, 30 seconds, Andrew, before I'm going to interrupt you did you want to no, close I, it? I, I i'm i'm fascinating and i, I fascinated and I, I know you're fascinating that's why i have you on here every <laughs> no, week. fascinated tid, tid. <laughs> and um i like what kim's saying i think it makes a lot of sense thank you i like what you yeah. guys are saying too and i appreciate the dialogue and i appreciate having the chance to talk about this and get this out there because if everyone could just take a deep breath it's not that hard to take care of ourselves but yet there are things that you need to know to do it right so. All right. As I stated the last time I went to a break, we will talk about diabetes when we come back, I promise. Before I let you go, Andrew brought up nutrigenomics and looking at genomics. We are now doing that with food animals on a daily basis. For example, we're not using any boars or bulls at our place that have not been genomically tested to make sure that those alleos that we are looking for are present and the Igenity test with neogen is where we get that done. I call it shining a light into your genetic future. The interesting part is one of the growth factors at Neogen is people tasting pets. No, you see, that was a Freudian slip. People testing pets. They're not tasting <laughs> their pets. They're testing their pets because they want to know the origins of their dog. That's it's a good crazy. job we're still on Facebook. We could have got taken down there. <laughs> there you go. Neogen.com to shine a light on your genetic future. Uh, we'll be back with the last segment of Roll Route right after this. Uh, Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Lewis alongside Kim Kircher, who, if she one more time tells me ice cream is not a fruit, <laughs> she... Just will have some sort of technical difficulty. I don't know. Andrew Henderson. I could actually throw a bomb in there and say that the, the Italians describe fish as fruit from the sea. So maybe Trent could des- describe ice cream as fruit from the cow. 
don't know. Maybe right. we could have a glossary of terms that would scroll across the screen underneath <laughs> while we're talking to help people follow the conversation. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. Is Not fruit a vegetable? Is potato a fruit or a vegetable? It's a tuber. It's a root, a root tuber. <laughs> Come on, Kim. You have to be either a fruit or a vegetable. You can't be a tuber. Well, these are interesting questions to me because if you're talking about how we eat them, we eat them as a vegetable yeah. uh-huh. most often. Mm. And they are supposed to be, aren't they counted as one of your five a day? We have this five a day thing. Mm-hmm. And potatoes are counted as that. And that's a vegetable count. So, yeah. It's a starchy vegetable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I happen to like them too. I'm going to call them a fruit from now on. <laughs> oh dear. Well, here's here's the optimistic take. What I'm hearing you say, Trent, is you right. really enjoy fruit. Like that's the takeaway message. Yeah, but well, is it? No, the because the fruit he likes it, fruit. It's the only fruit I enjoy. <laughs> that way, I still have fruit in my diet. Yeah. Kim, he's not named one fruit. He's just naming stuff that he'd like to call fruit. <laughs> that's that's easy. Okay. Hey, I had, Pizza, okay, in all fairness, yesterday <laughs> I had a wonderful peach cobbler to go with my fruity ice cream. Well, so see, that's what I was talking about when you eat fruit at dessert. It gets a, a real fruit into your yeah. intake. So the fact that it was a peach cobbler, I'm glad you had the peaches in there. Okay, let's just talk about that a moment, Kim, because fruits have, are this romantic notion of this wonderful health food. Fruits are really nothing more than a de- another delivery of sugar with what for nutrition? Oh, I uh, love beyond, that. Beyond the, beyond the sugar. So I love that we're going there. When you think about naturally occurring sugar, milk actually uh-huh. has some. Fruit Thank has some. Much. Veggie has a tiny bit, teeny tiny bit, but there, you know, there's naturally occurring carbohydrate or sugar in those things. But what's attached to fruit are a lot of things we don't talk about. Phytochemicals, which are good things. Vitamins and minerals are more familiar words and things that we think about. Fiber, if you're eating a whole piece of fruit with skin that you've washed and you're just enjoying it. Uh, Water content. I mean, so many of the things that people around the world are shy of can be found in your fruit group, which is why when you look, we're consistently below in our fruit and vegetable consumption. And that doesn't mean that's the only thing we need, but that's the beauty of looking at the five food groups and knowing that we need them is because they're grouped in ways that they provide similar nutrition packages and there's variety within there. So like, I'll give you a fun example. When you think about the different colors of fruits and vegetables, the nutrient package that comes with each color is a little bit different because the substances that give fruits and vegetables their color are some of the same substances that are health protective for us. And I'm oversimplifying, but that's the gist. No, no, but you're you're spot on. And it's like um, the green and grass will give beta carotene to a cow that supports her immune system and her reproductive system. Um, There's lots and lots of uh, ways of determining what uh, goodness is in, is in a, in a, in a, in a fruit or a vegetable by the color of it. So yeah, you're absolutely spot on. So what makes a blueberry blue? The blue stuff. The blue stuff. (laughs) Yeah. The the pigment. pigment. (laughs) It has to be some phytochemical that makes it blue. Yeah. Well, you, you look it up. That's part of the experience of knowing what you're eating because I don't know that specific, uh, the specific makeup of a blueberry, but I'm sure there's going to be antioxidants in there 
that will look after Trent Loose. Some of them might actually help with hair oh. hair loss. That's overrated. What was it? Yeah. Well, but but yeah. I, I I still need proof, Kim, that I'm getting essential nutrients from a fruit that I can't get from a potato or a ribeye. Well, oh, definitely. So, Even I'm not going to start listening to you champ on about that. She's right. I want to hear. I just want to hear. You know what a Venn diagram is, right? With the overlapping circles and then the yeah. common. Right. Think about food like that. If you've got your five food groups, theoretically, you could Venn diagram all five of them and there would be some similarities. And mm-hmm. But it's easier if you look at it by individual food groups. And like you take the protein group. We all know fish is a higher source of omega-3s. That doesn't mean that it it's better all the time, but it's an important component. We look at our red meat, and it's a great source of absorbable iron. That doesn't mean that there's not iron in other stuff, but there's these subtle nuances that you could be filled with angst trying to come up with the laundry list of stuff that's in every single food you choose, or you can say, you know what? I'm going to look at these five food groups. I know that they're grouped because in general, they've got similar opportunities for me to get nutrition, but then I'm going to vary what I eat from within that food group because of those subtle differences. Like a blueberry is going to have a different set of components than a banana and white cauliflower, white bananas, white potatoes. People are like, don't eat the white stuff. I'm like, but cauliflower is a cruciferous vegetable, which means it has anti-cancer properties. So everything you eat does something for you. Some food just works harder for you. Like if you eat added sugar, like table sugar, it's like 15 calories a teaspoon. Big deal. We can fit that in. Don't eat three cups of it at one time. But to your point back about fruit having sugar in it, sugar, table sugar does not have vitamins, minerals, fiber. A peach in your peach cobbler has a ton of good stuff for you in it. So the sugar's not the same level of working hard for you, so to speak. You mentioned the water component, and yeah. it, I'm, I'm humored by people. One day we were doing a beef demonstration in the store, and I heard these 20-something yuppies walking through, and this young man was trying to impress his lady friend. And he said, oh, and these are so good because they're 89% water. Okay, it's cheaper to go get the water out of the faucet than to get it from your peach We need to be hydrated. Most people don't drink a lot of water, and I hear you. But if that's what gets him excited to eat a peach, then he's not wrong that it's got that fruits and vegetables are high in water content. Percentage wise, that's not how I think about food. So I don't know about the 89%, but there's nothing wrong with staying hydrated however you need to. I think the important thing here is that um, it's how nature intended your body to digest food by having a mixture of nutrients, fiber, um, carbohydrate, sugar, whatever way you want to describe it, it's it's delivering it in the way our bodies were designed to, to digest it. And that's where perhaps we've interfered too much over the last 50 to 100 years in the sense that we've started to uh, to make it unnatural, take the naturalism out of it all and make products out of it that maybe are are, are not balanced. That's what's fun about being a dietitian is the complexities of food are huge, just mm. like agriculture. And so when you think about how people are tying agriculture into their food decisions, food on its own 
is complex. Agriculture on its own is complex. Agriculture leads to food. Somehow that gets lost on people, which is fascinating. But it's there. there's so many layers of things to know about food, which is one of the reasons I became a dietitian, because I wanted to have confidence and knowledge to be able to have fun. And if I want to eat what other people are like, oh, I can't believe you're a dietitian and you're eating that, because as dietitians, we hear that all the time. But it's like, but I know what I'm eating and I know how to balance it over the day, over the week, over the month, because that's the other thing too. People are looking for this magic bullet. There's no one nutrient that's going to save us or kill us. There's no one food that's going to do that either. It's, it's a, you have to look at it as a meal. You have to look at it as your day and you have to look at it across the week or the month. And when you do that, you, you all of a sudden see this built in wiggle room for, your ice cream or your candy bar or what, like when you eat a candy bar, you know that you're not like doing this awesome nutrient rich choice for yourself. So some of those simplicities have a lot of complexities behind them, but it doesn't have to be as hard as people make it. Going back to the, what you said though, about, um, uh, you know, trying to make it all, uh, you, you know what you're eating and, and balancing it. There is this new thinking as well, nutrigenomics where, you know, for example, some people, uh, their bodies can't take nuts. They can't mm -hmm. take uh, they can't take certain foods. They're allergic to them, and so mm -hmm. one man's one man's uh, nutrient might be somebody else's poison. We, we created that, Andrew. What? We created that. Did we? I totally believe we created lactose intolerance. We created a nut allergy. I think that people's choices, particularly pregnant women's dietary choices, have influenced what we can and cannot handle. Kim Kircher, are you with me or against me? A little of both. I, I think sometimes, and for real, because I, I think sometimes we have to take responsibilities for our choices because our choices lead to other things. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we cannot take responsibility for everything that our bodies do. And I actually wrote a blog about how healthy food isn't healthy for everyone for, for exactly what you're talking about. If you have intolerance, if you have allergy, if you um, have intestinal disorders, I mean, the if you're on certain medications because you have to be, it alters your intake. And yeah. so it's really sad to me when somebody else judges another person's choices mm -hmm. because you do not know if they've got something that shifts what healthy means to them. Mm -hmm. uh, Kim, Kim, before we lose it, where do people find your blog? It's my name, Kim Kircher.com. Two H's, two R's. First time she's ever had to say that, by the way. Andrew. <laughs> two H's, two R's. Don't yeah. Two H's, two R's. Uh, 30 seconds, Andrew, before I'm going to, interrupt you did you want to no, close I, it? I, I i'm i'm fascinating and i, I fascinated and I, I know you're fascinating that's why i have you on here every <laughs> no, week fascinated tid, tid. <laughs> and then um, i like what kim's saying i think it makes a lot of sense thank you i like what you guys are saying too and i appreciate the dialogue and i appreciate having the chance to talk about this and get this out there because if everyone could just take a deep breath it's not that hard to take care of ourselves, but yet there are things that you need to know to do it right. So, All right. As I stated the last time I went to a break, we will talk about diabetes when we come back, I promise. Before I let you go, Andrew brought up nutrigenomics and looking at genomics. We are now doing that with food animals on a daily basis. For example, we're not using any boars or bulls at our place that have not been genomically tested to make sure that those alleos that we are looking for are present and the identity test with neogen
is where we get that done. I call it shining a light into your genetic future. The interesting part is one of the growth factors at Neogen is people tasting pets. No, you see, that was a Freudian slip. People testing pets. They're not tasting <laughs> their pets. They're testing their pets because they want to know the origins of their dog. That's it's a good crazy. job we're still on Facebook. We could have got taken down there. <laughs> there you go. Neogen.com to shine a light on your genetic future. Uh, we'll be back with the last segment of Roll Route right after this.